I'm me, you're me, we're all me. And this is Wiggly's Book Club, episode 025. I did 25 already. I did zero and a quarter. We'll go with 26. Wiggly's Book Club is a fortnightly read brought to you live from Sloppy Joe's Bar, located in scenic downtown, Easton, Pennsylvania, West Ward. And don't hire that camel anymore if you're not going to clean up my fucking plow dumps. I'll dump you on your dump. I know what you're saying, Chris. You just released a Wiggly's Book Club last week. That's right. This is a special February 7th gift. But you can listen to it today, or as you normally listen to it, never. It's also a superstar-filled episode, full of superstars. Without any further ado, let's go down to Wiggly Live in Sloppy Joe's Bar for the reading of Ronald Lackman's Xerox Education Publications Classic, TV Superstars, 78. Turn on the light. Okay, that's better. Gotta keep remembering. Turn on, oh, turn on the light before I get down here. Ah, oh, today's gonna. Uh, oh, today. Uh, I last last week I couldn't tell you what the my favorite glass is. I'm gonna be using this glass for as many times as I can because it brings such good vibes of nothing. Uh, but it is my favorite glass. National Biscuit Company, five cents a glass. So you get five cents for a biscuit glass or five cents i don't know they wouldn't give you five cents return on this when this was made i don't even know when hell this was made but it's a nice uh, sturdy glass yet the the limb of it is uh pleasing i don't know if i mentioned it but anyway having a seven and seven today uh so you just uh, got a diet seven up here whoa 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 uh and actually it's going to be Actually, it's going to be a, a seven and a, a, a seven and six, because <laughs> I don't have any Seagram seven. I have Canadian Club, aged six years, so it's going to be a seven and six, which is uh, thirteen, I think. Yeah. It didn't have zero, so I couldn't add it very well. Now I'm not shaking this. I'm, this one I'm going to stir a little. I got a green, green stirrer to match the seven up. Can. Let's give it a little taste. See if I think I put a double in. Mmm. Very good. Actually, I'm going to put it, since it's only a six instead of a seven, I'll put a little bit more of that. Whoa! Uh-oh. I dropped the cap. This is going to be a good read. Let me stir that up a little bit again. Today's a interesting uh, 152. Thank you, 152. Ah, I didn't fix this microphone. Still put it in the same way. I... I and it's Don Fennin. Today's going to be TV super, TV Stupid Stars. TV Superstars 78. 1970. Ow. My foot. Uh-oh. TV Superstars 78 by Ronald Lackman. It's, uh, they didn't have to put a, a 19 in front of the 78 because they didn't realize that, that 2078 was going to be happening soon. This is uh, by Xerox Education Publications. 
last week I mentioned about uh, purchasing stuff from the Scholastic scrimmage thing. Oh, 78. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have I purchased this too through that. Um, in fact, what did I say last year? Last week I purchased it in 72. No, I probably purchased it in 75. This one I purchased in 78. If they still had these, I don't know if I... Well, anyway, I picked it up somewhere. TV Superstars, uh, this was mine, uh, 1978. On the back it says, the inside story on all your favorite stars. I, I don't think I've ever read, I don't think I've ever read this book. I think I looked at the cover. You got Starsky and Hutch, you got Wonder Woman, you got uh, Sean Cassidy, and then you have, uh, I think it's Sean Cassidy, and then you have the cast of, the cast of Good Times. Mama, I can't breathe. And the back says, the inside story on all your favorite stars. Farrah Fawcett Majors. David Soul. Don't give up on us, baby. We still have one more. Maybe we can. Uh, Cindy Williams, of course, the crazy one of, of Laverne and Shirley. Pamela Sue Martin, very famous. I don't know what was she. Wow, <laughs> that's like a that's a that's like a quadra. That's a double. That's a double. That's not a double. That's a uh, that's a four. Whew. Cindy Williams, uh, Pamela Sue Martin. Maybe she's from uh, Little House or something. I don't. Know. I never watched that. Um, I only saw John Boy's Wart, and then I got scared and turned that off. Lee Majors. And there you go. That's that's the reason I'd buy this. Mackenzie Phillips, of course, of. Uh, of uh, Give Me a Break. Now, what was that called? Um, uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> One day at a time. That's it. Uh, Mackenzie Phillips. Uh, Robert Blake, of course, of Beretta and killing his wife. Linda Carter. Linda Carter of Wonder Woman. Plus, the season's new stars. Crack it open. Do, do you know? I don't even. Let's see if it has a time. Ooh, it starts with fair. Xerox Education Publication, Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, here we go. 1977. And this is TV Superstars of 78. How the fuck do you do that? How do, how do you tell the future when you publish your shit in 1977? You're doing TV Superstars of 78. This is like releasing the John Maddens for the next year. Okay. You can find Xerox Education Publications in Middletown, Connecticut, 06457. It's printed in the USA. All rights reserved. This book may not be re reproduced in whole or in part in any form or format without permission in writing from the publisher. Well, it's good that they're dead, so I don't have to do it. Xerox is a registered trademark of Xerox Corporation. How about that? Who would have thought Xerox would be a registered trademark of Xerox? Inside front cover, so now we know it was 1977. Do you know? And uh, these have bullet points. Bullet point one. What two famous Hollywood stars were uptight when Farrah Fawcett Majors appeared on the set of Mira Breckenridge? What the fuck was Mira Breckenridge? That's what I want to know. Why it doesn't? Why it didn't matter to LeVar Burton 
whether he won the role of Kinta Kunte in Roots. Kinta Kinte. Kinta, Kinta Kunte. I always used to say Kanta Kante, so that's why I don't know. So how about how you like that? LeVar Burton reading Rainbow. It didn't matter to him. <laughs> it should have mattered to him. Why Penny Marshall is tickled pink. She lost a starring role in one of the greatest TV hits of all time. What are Sean Cassidy's and Parker Stevenson's idea of the perfect date? And Sean Cassidy, I told you on the cover, Parker Stevenson's the, the other half of the Hardy Boys, the Hardy Boys live-action mystery. Nancy Drew was on afterwards, and uh, Nancy Drew. Well, I don't know what she'd draw. Who is the main, who is the man in... Who is the man, Lindsay Wagner says, it, it is more important to her than her hit show, The Bionic Woman? What man? I don't know. Why some people are trying to talk Vince Van Patten into dropping his role as the Bionic Boy. Oh, so Vince Van Patten was going to be the Bionic Boy. Uh, was he? Was he? Uh, the Return of the Bionic Man and Bionic Woman. They got married. And then there was one other one. And, uh, hey, boy, I got to go back and watch that shit. I just re remember them in their in gowns and stuff. <laughs> Not Lee Majors. Pardon me, hope that didn't come through. Get the answers to these and hundreds of other fascinating Questions about the lives of today's young stars in the brand new TV Superstars 78. Let me move this mic a little bit. I think, I, think, I hope I'm talking in a, am I, am I, yeah, okay. But I'm talking in the right side. I don't know. You never know with these things. Uh, how am I doing? 8.46. Introduction. There have always been superstars in ancient Rome. People would line up for hours to get in the amphitheater to see their favorite gladiators. Uh, yeah, you know that joke. Chariot drivers and actors perform. The Romans adored their athlete and actor heroes. Indeed, they did. They were worshipped. People fainted. Power of Rome compels you. Uh, one fan of a Roman superstar named Polydoxus even had a mosaic floor laid in his home, which read, Winner or not, we love you, Polydoxus. One, one fan, one fan of a Roman superstar named Polydoxus, Polydox, Polydo, Poly, Polygrip. Here in the United States, popular stage actors of the past, like Edwin Booth in the 1800s, and once shot a man just for snoring, Edward Booth. Wait, Ed, Edwin Booth, not Edward Wicks. Uh, Edwin Booth in the, in the 1800s. And John Barrymore in the early 1900s set millions of female hearts aflutter. In the early 1900s, set millions of hearts aflutter. Let me have another drink. Wow, that went right to me. Mm hmm. Mm. Wow. Where's. I'm at seven. Worshipful fans appeared to, in a play 
Later motion, worshipful fans, fans filled, <laughs> worshipful fans, what, what the hell book am I reading? Worshipful fans filled theaters to overflowing whenever, oh my God, to overflow, oh my God, I need, I need something to help me read, this is some small print, filled theaters to overflowing whenever these idols appeared in a play. Later motion picture stars like the dark, handsome Rudolph Valentino and the cool but beautiful Greta Garbo thrilled millions in the 1920s and 30s. Every word that was written about them and each film they appeared in was while grown-ups were busy fighting World War II. <laughs> hey, <laughs> fuck punctuation. Uh, teenagers screamed and swooned and did everything short of selling their souls to the devil to get uh, some, I wish you could do that, to get into the pants, to get into the Paramount Theater in New York and see and hear their singing idol Frank Sinatra, you see. TV had, had its uh, superstars too, young parents can probably tell you, uh, all about some of the TV's earliest superstars like Hopalong Cassidy, Dobie Gillis. Dobie Gillis, that's, uh, that's, uh, that was a, uh, was Dobie Gillis, was it Gilligan, or was that his friend? I think that was, Gilligan was the friend of Dobie Gillis. He, has a, he had a hipster beard, you see. And Ed Kooky Burns. <laughs> Gotta look that guy up. If these weren't their particular favorites, I'm sure they will be able to recall the excitement the Beatles and Elvis caused when they made their TV debut on the Old Ed Sullivan Variety Show. Each generation has its own superstars, and today's TV superstars are every bit as glamorous, interesting, and exciting as those in the past. The bo this book is all about them. So turn the page and start reading. Reading Rainbow. You're going to find out everything you ever wanted to know about today's most popular TV superstars. How am I doing on time? 12.48. Fair for for fair for force its first one. Uh, I'm probably gonna read. Oh, they have all the Charlie's Angels. Uh, Paul Michael Glazier, that stars Ian Hutch. <laughs> Penny Marshall, she was so cute back then. Sheldon, and then Cindy Williams, and we got the Parker brothers, and then we go to Lindsay Wagner, and there's Quinta Quinte, and here we go with Beretta. And Beretta, I think, oh, Carol Burnett, I think Beretta lied about being one of the um, casts of the Little Rascals. He might have been, like, in the background. Yeah, I was right. Uh, one of these people, Michelle Landon, Michael Landon, <laughs> and Saved by an Angel, Karen Grassle, Melissa Sue Anderson, Lindsay, and Sydney Greenbush. Those are people from Little House, so that's right there. Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, uh, Diane and Marie. There's thing on them. <gasps> Fonzie! Okay, I got my, I don't know who else. Mr. Carter! Oh, wow. Wow, Boom Boom Washington. Oh, Epstein. Oh, oh, wow. Here's Horseshack. And Vinnie Barbarino. Okay, so I'll keep my fingers in a couple places. Jeez, I almost don't want to read Farrah Fawcett because cause of all these other interesting people. Um, I come back to Farrah Fawcett. Oh, here's the Bionic Boy. We're going to talk about him, Vincent Van Patten of the Van of the Van, Van Pattens. Okay, I'm going to start with Lee Majors. I don't care. Sorry, skipping around. Uh, 
Okay, page 53, Lee Majors, the $6 million man. Uh-oh, I took my fingers out. <laughs> 1439. Lee Majors, the rugged and masculine star of the $6 million man, wasn't always uh, the picture of strength he is now. When he was a small boy, Lee was timid and frightened. His parents died when he was a baby, leaving Lee an orphan. How about that? His name was not originally Majors. Majors was the name of the people who took him into their home in Middleborough, Kentucky. Later, they legally adopted the boy. Lee did not know he was an adopted child until he was 13 years old. I bet he was so happy to find that out. While he was looking through an old trunk the majors kept in the, their attic, he came across papers that told him he was adopted. Oh, <laughs> that's horrible. So he did find out he was adopted. He wasn't told he was adopted. He found it out. Not wanting to upset the people who adopted him, Lee kept his knowledge of adoption a secret from them for nearly five years. How about that? Till he was 18, he, they didn't know that he knew that they didn't know that he knew. Um, that's interesting. I did not know this about one of my favorite people. Because all I read is like Legend of Bigfoot Pass when he's fighting, you know, people and shit as as the Bionic Man. Uh, nearly five years during this time, he went through a great deal of personal suffering. Many questions were constantly on his mind: Where did he come from? Who were his real parents? Where were they now? Did the majors really love him, or had they merely adopted him out of pity? Finally, he confided in a friend the truth of his identity. The friend, hoping to help Lee, told Mrs. Majors that Lee knew he was adopted. The Majors, uh, Major says, why would you, why would, why would you put S E S instead of just apostrophe after Majors? Lee Majors is confirmed. The, the Majors is confirmed the fact that they did indeed love Lee and had neglected to tell him of his adoption only because they wanted to make him feel more safe and secure. The major, the major problem, <laughs> that's confusing, major problem is life overcome. Lee was ready to move on to higher, bigger and better things. He, he did a lot of acting as like cowboys and shit. Mm. Whoa, there, there it goes. 1724. Uh-oh. I hope this can I hope this can stay. Okay, hopefully it will. Uh gunsmoke. Uh-oh, I skipped a whole page. <clears throat> Shit, this is gonna take too. Lee became a star athlete in high school and then received a scholarship to attend the University of Indiana. Unfortunately, Lee was injured in his first year of college and was kept out of athletic competi competition. Did they see his chest hair? If they would have seen his chest hair, they might have reconsidered. Uh, he probably wasn't wearing a leisure shirt back then. Athletic competition discouraged. He quit Indiana University and transferred to Eastern Kentucky State College where he majored in education. He had decided that if he couldn't be a professional athlete, as he wished, he would become a teacher. By his senior year in the Eastern Kentucky, Lee had recovered from his injuries and once again played football. He was a good enough player to be offered a contract to play professional football with the NFL's St. Louis Cardinals. 
Lee, 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 Lee had already decided, however, that he would like to be an actor rather than a football player and turned down the offer. There were other difficulties as well. While attending Eastern Kentucky, Lee had met a 16-year-old college beauty named Kathy. <laughs> oh, 16. Lee and Kathy fell in love and decided to marry. At the time, Lee was only 19. A baby was born, whom they named Lee Jr., hoping to support his family as an actor. Lee left Kentucky and took his uh, family to Hollywood, where he hoped fame and fortune answered him. Before Farrah Fawcett, huh? stepping up after, out of the 16-year-olds. When he arrived, what is he, Mohammed? When he arrived in Hollywood, no one jumped at the chance. No one jumped at the chance to give him an, him an acting job. He had, he, he had, after all, no experience or training as an actor. <laughs> Lee took a job with the. Yeah, it's a good, good fucking plan. Lee took the look. Lee took a job um, with the. Rectors with the Los Angeles Recreation Department as an athletic dis director. Several other hopeful actors were also working uh, for the LA, LA Recreation Department at the time. They convinced Lee that if there were to have a, if they, if they were to have any chance at all uh, in show business, they he would have to take acting lessons. Meanwhile, at home, things were not going well for Lee and Kathy. She finally hit puberty? I don't know. Realizing their teenage marriage was a mistake. <sighs> uh, that was actually a, a, a hidden burp. Boy, no, it was not a hidden burp. Realizing that their teenage marriage was a mistake, the young couple decided to separate and then divorce. Kathy returned to Kentucky with Lee Maj Lee Jr., and Lee remained in Hollywood to pursue his acting career. Eventually, after months of classes and auditions, Lee landed a small part in, on, a, uh, on an episode of the hit TV series, Gunsmoke. On the show, Lee was the villain and was shot by the show's hero, Matt Dillon in front of a saloon, rolls on the Alfred Hitchcock program, and Bracken's World, follow Bracken's World. Um, I don't even know what that is. In time, his acting assignments became frequent enough for him to quit his job with the LA Recreation Department. Free from, uh, free from a nine-to-five routine, Lee was able to uh, audition more, and one of his, uh, this is his big role in the TV series, The Big Valley, yeah, the series starred former movie queen Barbara Stanwyck. Originally, Lee's role was supposed to be for a single episode of the program, but the public requested that they see more of him, more of the handsome young actor, even even, even when he wasn't showing off his chest here. More of the handsome young actor. Um, and he was given a, a regular role on the show. Unfortunately, we had an argument with one of the show's stars, Miss Stanwyck, and his uh, last few months in the series were not particularly pleasant. Looking back on the incident now, Lee says he regrets the argument ever happened. He, he told a columnist, Bob Williams, Barbara Stanwyck was the most professional acting person I ever worked with, and she taught me a lot. While appearing on the Big Valley, Lee also made his first important role, uh, Will Penny, which starred... Charlton Heston, his first important movie, uh -huh. uh, the movie Will Penny. You know, remember that? Will Penny, that great movie? It's like the Star Wars. 
Will Penny. Will Penny what? Which starred Charlton Heston and Joanne, Joan Hackett. Joan Hackett. We always felt movies were the major leagues of the show business and had always wanted to work in the important movie. Uh, around the same time, Lee made a vow to himself that he would give himself seven years to become a superstar. If he hadn't made it by then, he swore he would quit acting forever. Seven years had passed, and Lee is indeed a superstar. After Will Penny Lee appeared in several other films, including The Liberation of L.B. Jones and three ABC Movies of the Weeks, where when the Big Valley was canceled, Lee became the star of another TV Western series, The Virginian, which had changed its name to The Man from si Shiloh, Shitlow, The Man from Shiloh. In order to attract a larger audience, the show failed to do so, and the series was canceled. One year later, Lee didn't remain unemployed long. He soon turned up on Owen Marshall, counselor at law. Owen Marshall, counselor at law. As Owen Marshall's junior law partner. How about that? I don't even know what the fuck that is. He remained with Owen Marshall uh, for three years until the offer to star in the Six Million Dollar Man show became strong, came along. Lee was finally to be the star of his own weekly series. The series originally premiered as a movie of the week. Indeed, it did. It was called Cyborg, which was the name of the book. It was taken from the Six Million Dollar Man. The public liked the show, and the series was a hit. Six Million Dollar Man established Lee as a major television superstar. While the star was rising, Lee began dating a beautiful young blonde model from Texas, a girl who soon became a familiar face to millions of Americans in numerous uh, TV commercials, was named Farrah Fawcett. Lee and Fawcett became, Lee and Farrah became inseparable. And on the fifth uh, anniversary of their first date, July 28th, 1972, fifth anniversary of five years, with they were uh, married. Farrah, Lee said, Farrah, Lee, Lee, Farrah, Lee says, is like a little girl, so cute, so beautiful inside. And Farrah says, and Farrah says of Lee, I need his strength. When Lee and Farrah are not performing in films or on the TV, they can usually be found on the tennis courts or golf courses. That's not, that's unfair. He's got the bionic arm. Everybody knows he throws the fucking, oh no, that was Lindsay Wagner because she, she was a tennis instructor or something. She threw the fucking tennis racket through the, Chain mail fence stuck in there, and then all shit, all shit went all kind of crazy. Shit went south quick. Got it ringing in her ears. Avid, avid physical uh, culturists, both Lee and Farah, feel the physical activity is important for a healthy body as well as a healthy mind. Besides tennis and golf, Lee enjoys playing touch football, fishing, and horseback riding. The couple live in Bel Air a beautiful suburb of Los Angeles. The Six Million Dollar Man seems to have enough strength now to handle any problem that may come, in, come along. Vital statistics at 2556. I'm going to have to read more from this book because I really want to learn about... Jeez, if I can only get through one person, oh, that's kind of sad. I really want to learn about Lindsay Wagner because I'm sure there might be some good stuff in there. I'd also like to read, uh, of course, a Fonzie. And uh, that's about it. So maybe I'll try to hit this book three more times in the near future. Birthplace, Wyandotte, Michigan. Uh, birth, a birth date, birth age, zero. Birth date, April 23rd. Height, six foot, even. 
Weight 175, hair blonde, eyes blue. That's it. Then Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay has a much shorter biography, but still not short enough for me at 2644. Hmm. I'll start reading it. Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman. Before she became the bionic woman on television, beautiful Lindsay Wagner was an up-and-coming movie star, but no one recognized her. Uh, she had played the leading female role in the award-winning film, The Paper Chase. Oh, wow! Now that I heard of. And had starred in the Canadian film Second Wind. Uh, neither of these movies brought her any brought her the fame and uh, she received when she became Jamie Summers, the bionic woman. Now Lindsay's fans are legion, and she and she is recognized wherever she goes. As a result of her newfound fame, Lindsay is making movies again. She has completed work on a film called Two People, one of my favorite films. It's like the Star Wars. Um, it is a love story that takes place in all sorts of exciting foreign loca locales. Lindsay's um, co-star in, in uh, her, this new film is Peter, uh, Peter Fonda. How about that? The brother of Jane and the son of Henry Fonda. Growing up, Lindsay was uh, very unhappy. Oh, Jesus, cheer up. Born in Los Angeles, California on the first day of summer, Lindsay uh, was only seven years old when her parents separated, devoted, um, devoted to both her mother and father. Lindsay found it difficult to adjust to her parents' separation and subsequent divorce. She became somewhat of a problem child. Often she was sent off to live with the various relatives. She didn't help her. They did, that didn't help her to become a happily uh, adjusted child. Age 14, at 14, Lindsay found something that captured her interest. She became a model. Always a pretty girl. She was taken by, by uh, her mother to a modeling agency. One of the agents immediately saw Lindsay's potential, and she began appearing, posing for magazine photographers and making TV commercials. Mm-hmm. 2854. I don't care. I'm going to finish reading this. It's fucking fascinating. A model that becomes involved with television? Impossible! Uh, magazine and TV commercials. All the time she was working as a model, Lindsay was attending North Hollywood High School. She was a good student, but a restless one. When Lindsay's mother remarried, Lindsay was delighted. The family moved to Portland, Oregon, when, where Lindsay uh, attended David Douglas High School. Oh, she moved to, Port she moved to Portland to get raped, I guess. Uh, and David, <laughs> peace out to all my fa fans in uh, Portland. Uh, David Douglas Lindsay became interested in school dramatics and acted in several school plays. At last, she found something upon which she could fasten her energies. Um, as a graduation present from high school, uh, Lindsay's mother and stepfather gave her three months' trip to France. When she returned, uh, she saw she saw uh, saw Paris, Paris, saw England, she saw France, uh, saw someone's underpants. I don't remember. London, Paris, France, underpants. That's how it goes. When she returned to the United States, Lindsay enrolled in the University of Oregon to continue her education. After two years of, uh, at Oregon, she transferred to Mount Hood Community College. Mount Hood Community College. I'm Hood. I'm so good, I'm Hood. Uh, no. 
Throughout her college years, Lindsay Lindsay uh, studied drama and acted whenever she could get the opportunity. The 1968 in 1968, fresh out of college, well, one year before the moon landing, two years after my birth. I'm 50. In 1968, fresh out of college, Lindsay, who has a lovely singing voice, wow, I did not know that, joined a rock group. The group managed to get a few jobs, but not enough to pay all the bills. She had the skills, but not to pay the bills. Like me. Lindsay decided to concentrate, so eventually the group broke up. Discouraged, Lindsay decided to concentrate her efforts on her acting career. It didn't take long for the casting director to recognize her unique acting ability. She was cast in several, in a, in a series of small supporting roles on several TV shows. One of the shows, Marcus Welby, MD, I know that, brought her to the intention of executive at Universal Studios, which produced the series. She signed a contract at Universal and appeared on, as a guest on several TV series, including the FBI, Night Gallery, The Bold Ones, the Rockford Files, and Owen Marshall, Counselor at Law. I love the Rockford Files. I love his car. I love his, uh, the old man he lives with. I love him. In 1975, Lindsay's contract with Universal was dropped in spite of the fact that she had proven herself a capable and talented young actress. A short time later, Universal's looking for an unusual girl to play the part of Lee Major's girlfriend on a two-part episode of the Six Million Dollar Man series. Uh, I hope they tell the truth in this part. Universal had trouble finding that right girl for the part. Then somebody at the studio remembered Lindsay Wagner, who had been under contract to them a few months before. Lindsay was offered the role, accepted it, and began what was the to be five days of work on the Six Million Dollar Man series. The episode was a tremendous success. Soon after it was shown, thousands of viewers wrote in, asking to see more of the lovely young bionic woman, Lindsay, Jamie Summers. Now see, what they left out here is that some exec execs did not want Lindsay because she was too ugly, no, too homely, too tall, and too flat. I believe those were the three th things. Um, maybe not too tall, maybe it was too skinny, too flat-chested. Horrible. The other thing was that, of course, she dies <laughs> in the two-part episode, uh, and so they had to bring her back like even Steve didn't know because of all this fan mail. So poo-poo on them, on the executives for saying she couldn't cut it because uh, they loved her. Realizing they had a potential hit series on their hands, Universal decided, in fact, they did. She got paid more than majors, and they, I think it was more successful at that time. Universal, Universal, uh, Universal decided to make a spinoff. It's funny, she became a teacher, whereas Lee Majors went to uh, teaching school to become a teacher. Universal decided to make a spinoff series starring Lindsay. Lindsay was offered $500,000 a year which was more than money than the $6 million man Lee Majors was making himself. This didn't make Lee too happy, and until his salary was increased, Lee threatened to quit his series. <laughs> a big baby. Um, this past season, in spite of the fact that The Bionic Woman is top-rated series, ABC decided to drop the show. Lindsay was shocked and asked network officials why her show was being canceled. She was told 
she was told that ABC had too many hit shows on the schedule. <laughs> I'm sorry, we just have too many hit shows. Can't, I don't want to have too many hits. You know, that's bad for business television. <laughs> she was told ABC had too many hit shows on, uh, on its schedules of programs uh, and had to cancel a few to make room for new programs. Shit, like Joni Love Chachi and shit like that. And uh, uh, Manimal. Um, and I had to cancel a few to make room for it. It was inter uh, new programs. It was interested in developing. NBC jumped at the chance to program The Bionic Woman, and the series is now being seen on NBC. NBC being seen on that network. Uh, Lindsay recently hung oh, How am I doing on time? 35. Huh? Not too bad. Not too bad. You could take it. You could take it, can't you? Take it deep. Lindsay uh, recently married her longtime boyfriend, Michael Brandon, an actor, writer. According to Lindsay, but he really wanted to direct. According to Lindsay, Mike is the most important thing in her life. He is more important, she claims, in her career or anything. See? Now you get the answer to that one question with the bullet point. Mike is the most important thing in her life. He is more important, she claims, than anything in her career. So, Michael, was, who is from Long, Long Island, New York, has, had instrument, uh, has been instrumental in Lindsay's climb to the top. He has written several episodes of her show, The Bionic Woman, and also acts as her manager. Ooh, that always works out. I used to help Lindsay with all her scripts when she came home, Michael says. We decided to do more things together. For a long time, we've wanted to work together on a film, so I wrote a love story for the two of us. Before they were married, Michael and Lindsay spent hours talking things over with the pastor of the, Louis Pasteur, of the Founders Church of Religious Science. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. That sounds like we don't want to take medicine. We want to pray instead. Where they were married. What does she say on my autograph to me? She says, thanks for, thanks for, can't read it, blessings. Yeah. I got to get it. I'll have to get it off here. Thanks for, thanks for the weekend. No, thanks for, thanks for your work. Blessings, Lindsay Wagner. That's what she wrote. What kind of blessings? Not scientific blessings. Of course it wouldn't be. Uh, Pastor of Church William Horniday, Horny Days, reports that things look good for Michael and Lindsay, but, Pastor Horniday warns, Michael does have to watch the bionic woman. And that probably isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. Oh no, he has to, he does have to match. He has to match, you see, the bionic woman. Not in watch. If we would have said that he has to watch and that's hard to do, that would have been insulting. Here's her stats, vital stats. Birthplace, Los Angeles, California. Birth date, June 22nd. Height, five foot eight and a half. Yeah, so she was tall. So was probably too tall. Weight, 125. Hair dark blonde and eyes of Hazel. Don't you love the, the, the show Hazel? She's a wise cracking maid, I'll tell you that. 
So that's it for TV Superstars 1978. I hope that you enjoyed that. I'll read uh, probably Fonzie and maybe somebody else if I have the time. And back to me in the studio. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Wiggly's Book Club featuring the Xerox Education Publications classic, uh, TV Superstars 78 by Ronald Lackman. <sighs> Good Lord, what a day. I worked like five and a half extra hours after I was supposed to. I, 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 I fear, I am scared that this server that is giving me the kibbutz in my boots is going to wreck yet another celebration. It took out my Christmas. It took out my New, new Year's. Snow took out my birth of 50s, and I fear that this server is going to take out my February 7th celebration as well. But February 7th will be in my spirit, as I hope it is in yours, and I hope that you accept this extra week of Wiggly's Book Club. If you look on the calendar on giantmediaball.com, it says I do it every damn week anyway, because internet. For Wiggly and the entire cast of Wiggly's Book Club, I'm Wiggly. Happy February 7th, everybody. Hope you 7th yourself. Someone comes up to you and say, hey, 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 how'd you get so smart? You say, well, first of all, I received some great media books on February 7th. I read them and rip. Reading is fundamental.